So here we are, back, ready to dive into this. I'm so ready. So, so, so when I, I'm thinking hustle, it's like... So if I had to word association, activist hustle. I think activism is just a good stand. Um, color, minorities, existing as themselves fully and embracing the If you don't, that, you hustle to get something that like is not on the road. When you're a hustler, you just make it happen. Action every day. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Lena and I do a reflection at the end of each interview just to kind of talk about the topic and um, bring a couple of themes out. And we wanted to create space to dive a little bit deeper into this topic for a few reasons, actually. I think that part of the motivation that we learned from the first season is that we want to just create a space to talk about how we're learning as activists ourselves, right? Agreed. I think in this issue in particular, because as we think about, you know, season two and changing our um, structure almost to having these episodes where it's just you and I sitting down reflecting, one of our hopes is that we're helping all of our listeners reflect and educate themselves with us. But I think the other one is that when you face an issue that's so complex and so big and by big, I mean, literally like millions and millions of people world, like in many different countries all over the world are experiencing this. It's like, where do we start? (laughs) And I know we started with Tina, but it's also just, you know, when we ask people what activism means to them or what the hustle means to them, one thing that we're always finding is that people are called to action by something. And most of the times it's something personal, like it relates to something or something they witnessed growing up. It was something they experienced. And one of the harder things is to be able to be called to action with something that you don't necessarily relate to. And I think that was one of like my biggest learnings coming out of the Tina episode, because I myself am not a refugee and I've done very little work with refugees in, in the extent that we know them as, yet I was called to action. And I think that the action can look many different ways. It can look like just educating yourself more about it, or it can look like you d- devoting your time or your work or your skills to fo- like to move forward that cause. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And basically, we just want to distinguish these deep dive episodes into creating space to talk about the content of these issues. So often in our reflections that we have after we interview, we're talking about the methodology of people's activism or what tools they're using to work toward their cause. And we just wanted to be able to also get into the content and how it relates to current events and what we've learned about the issue because as activists it's not just about knowing how to tackle the problems it's about educating yourself about knowing what the problems are i think what else people are going to get from this episode too that well that we're hoping people will get is that we can have a way to kind of tie the conversations we're having to the current events that are going on right now And we also wanted to make sure that we had time to call out some resources and share what we've done to learn and what our guests have shared with us as ways to get involved with this topic. 
because we can't get that all in in our in our interview episodes. So we'll go through all of that in today and we hope you'll stay with us while we're on this journey of learning and hopefully you'll you enjoy it as much as we do. Great. Let's start there, Rachel. So what steps did you take after the episode um, to educate yourself further on this topic? And what were some things that stood out to you? Well, I think the very first thing that we did, (laughs) I'm thinking is the first thing I did was talk to you, Lena, and tell you, wow, I actually don't know as much about this as I thought I did. Especially as someone who I have volunteered with refugees in, in the past before, but so much time has passed. It's a constantly evolving issue. So it was a really good opportunity to re-educate myself. And of course, took my second step was like Googling some resources that we could engage with. And um, I think you tapped into some of your networks to talk about some, to talk to some people who knew more too, right? Yeah. So I actually very 2019-ish of us, uh, Googled a lot of stuff, Netflixed a lot of stuff, um, found a lot of organizations in my own city that are doing this work. And a lot of them put out like annual reports or little briefs, which is really, really cool. Um, Especially for like a first time learner, they have like really good, like one sheet um, pages, which I thought was, you know, this information was there the whole time. And it just took me wanting to know more about it to figure out where to access it. Um, And then, yeah, I ended up looking into my own network. And I think that, you know, this is something that we talked about episode two, season one, about the importance of your network and, and how important it is to have people in your network that can advance your cause and advance your hustle and advance your activism. But I never once thought about like, oh, hold on, let me just literally phone a friend and ask a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. So that being said, too, I think that combining these two things we're talking about, because it's one thing to just Google it, to research, but there's this like whole world of the internet that's going to give you all of this stuff. If you're able to tap into those resources or those networks and say, what resources are going to be good for me to look at? I think that was a way that we kind of honed in because it can be overwhelming when you're new to a topic and you're just like Googling about what's going on in refugee work right now. Yeah. Agreed. I think the other really big thing is that your network provides different perspectives. So in your network, you might have somebody who has experienced this directly and doesn't necessarily consider themselves an activist. It's just like almost just a testament to the issue itself um, or to the moving forward from the issue, to the solutions from the issue. Um, And then sometimes in your network, you realize that there are also people that are so far from even realizing that this is an issue and so disconnected from the topic that it really makes you reconsider what activism means and how you can be an activist even in a cause like this that I don't necessarily feel like I am like the refugee warrior or something like that, right? Like I don't feel like, like Tina is so well-versed and so well-knowledge, but I can still bring this issue to light within my network and therefore contribute to the awareness of the of refugee crisis going on around the world um, and what has caused them. 
I think that was my my biggest thing. What did you find as you were looking um, when it came to just the cost of this? And I think we talked a little bit about it during our Tina episode, but just like the difference between even what a refugee actually is versus somebody who's just migrating to another country. Yeah, and I think, so just to be really basic about that, um, uh, a refugee is someone who's who's being forced to leave their home and forced to migrate and go to a new place, whereas an immigrant, by definition, is usually choosing to, to relocate. Um, I'm sure that, that people who study this would have a lot more in-depth definitions, but just kind of as a baseline for our conversation today, that's kind of where we're coming at it from. And I, I agree with you that the different causes, what stuck out to me, I guess, one of the documentaries I watched, it went through, I think it was at least 23 different places and just kind of touched on why refugees were being displaced in these 23 different places across the world. And obviously that was coming from a variety of reasons and something I learned about too is internal displacement because I I think of so much of what we see in the headlines of those reasons and those causes of like the Syrian war and and things like that that um, are currently the headlines but there's I don't want to say smaller because I don't want to diminish the issues but causes that have resulted in a smaller flow of people or a smaller geographic spread of those people I think is something that I kind of noticed that I realized I was limiting my thought process about refugees to kind of be this singular story of what I'm seeing in the news or on the headlines right now. Yeah. And it's rough too, because as much as we want to be able to learn more about this topic, we're also like living in a place where we're just seeing the headlines. And like, I, you know, like unless you and I had this, if you and I had now decided to do this deeper dive, that might be, we might, our knowledge might be limited to what we see in the headlines or scrolling through our social media and our Tina episode, where we can do many things to continue to educate ourselves. And especially when it comes to an issue so big, like you said, you know, this one documentary touched upon 26 different places. It makes me think about, there are a lot of people out there trying to just even highlight the fact that this is happening all over the world. Um, and I think with that, we should maybe just highlight a couple of places where it has happened and how many people have been displaced from their homes because of that. Um, and so there's a couple of organizations that work very closely with refugees and they put out data all the time. And I think one of the things is I'm fortunate enough to work for a place that works with them. So I'm constantly, you know, this, this information is like circling around in my office all the time. But um, I think one of the most heard of, you know, one of the ones that has been brought to light by all of the news media and probably because it's the largest refugee crisis um, is what's happening in Syria. And so I think from like 2011, um, Syria has been in conflict. Um, there's been a war going on and there are over 6 million refugees that have come from there at this point. So that's one of them. Um, the other one that I found was Afghanistan. That's over 2 million refugees 
Um, and again, even as I say this, I'm like, gosh, I, w- I need to do deeper learning on what is going on in Afghanistan that has caused all, all of this displacement. And in that I kind of, it humbles me down a little bit to think, you know, that we are the hosts of this like wonderful podcast, the activist hustle, and we're like highlighting all these activists. But even in that, we are still learning. And as I learn about an issue, I'm like, oh my gosh, I still don't know enough. And these issues are so complex. So it really is, it is that balance of like, we are doing something as activists, but also giving yourself the grace to recognize that it's okay to not know everything and it's okay that we're trying to learn. One of the articles I saw when I was looking stuff up was that some of these crises, um, it's like the layers of an onion. Like every time you peel one back and you think you understand like the cause of something, there's another historic or geopolitical layer that you're going to find. And you know what that makes me think about too, is that sometimes even as we even as I was going to go down this list and naming, you know, like South Sudan and Somalia, Myanmar, Venezuela at this point, Central America, I'm like sitting here saying it. And as I say it out loud, I recognize that I myself am siloing these issues when it's all part of one bigger issue. And I, as you were saying, oh, you know, they all have different causes. It's like, at the end of the day, do they? Mm -hmm. Like at the very, if you really, really trace all of these all the way back and you get to the root of it, do they, are they all really that different Um, or they, or do they all stem from the same issue and call me radical here, but I think like they, do they all stem, stem from the same and I'm doing like air bunnies issue of having locations like borders of having places that you have outlined to be yours and that the space outside of that space is theirs yeah and I think that that concept in itself is like would we have refugee crisis if at a very beginning of distributing the land this had happened had not right you can't really talk about this topic without bringing up the fact of borders because it is creating the whole framework for the existence of refugees. Yeah. At its, at its core. Yeah. yeah. And when you think, and again, like I'm always so ready to just talk about the stuff that I know, but if you look at Africa, the whole continent was divided, like by literally a group of people that got into one room and were like, we're going to draw these lines and we're going to say that this tribe goes here and this tribe goes here. And they literally were cutting down tribes in the middle and starting this like almost like turf war that like decades later has now evolved into conflict within a country, right? Like now we know them as countries and we see the people that are from these countries and we say that they're at war or even earlier when I said like, yeah, there was a war, um, there was war going on in Syria. Like that's how we now talk about them. And we just kind of like diminish it to that, but we don't really go down to the root of what caused it and, and who is also benefiting from it. Right. Like who benefits. Yeah. Like who drew these lines that created our borders And I think one question, we've been talking about this a lot as a team, and it leads me to a question that 
um, that Brandon asked us. And he was like, why don't we talk about decolonization more in this popular discourse? Because refugees has have become a popular discourse. I mean, at least for us and in, in the U.S., I think, as a whole, immigration and refugees. Um, and why don't we talk about the decolonization? And why, and why is it that these are still being enforced, right? Like that these... Because some people like to say, like, that was a long time ago. And, like, the people who drew these lines do not exist anymore. And so, in a way, we're all just kind of living in this world where we're, like, trying to combat things that were put before us. So, like, we kind of had no hand, right? Like, I didn't draw the line between, like, I don't know, the U.S. Or I didn't draw the line between Venezuela and the rest of South America, I've just got to face with like what I can do now. Um, but I think that the one valid question to ask now is like, who's still benefiting from the reinforcement of those walls? And even further into that, now that we're in 2019 and, you know, we have like organized political systems within each country, whether they're successful or not, whether there's integrity in them or not, they still exist. And how do the policies that are created also contribute and reinforce this border mentality um, and how does that contribute to our communities our think as thinking of ourselves as us and them and that to me is just like again another thing that I have to like sit with almost right um so I think the other thing that this makes me think about and I do want to do a deep dive into the U.S like specifically um, in our history with refugees in the U.S. But I think one of the things that I think about is opportunity versus necessity. And I think that that's one really big misconception that I found as we go, as we go through the, like through my own learning. And as I'm looking through articles and learning through documentaries and through just talking to people is that there is a very, very clear line that defines what a refugee is. And that is somebody who is being forced. Like nobody says like, I am going to swim for five days straight because I want better opportunity. And I think that when we think about the U.S. in particular, from the very start, this country was was seen as a safe place, right? Like that was the whole basis of people coming to the United States was seeking like religious freedom and like escaping from persecution, right? Like that's my understanding of the history of this country, um, or at least as we know it, knowing that there were people already living here. And so this country that then is marketed as like a safe place and has like so many people come here for better opportunities now really in 29 in March or in February of 2019 trying to put billions of dollars into building a physical wall to keep out people who want better opportunity but also truly affecting people who are coming out of necessity like the caravans that were happening like again nobody packs up and says like oh I'm just going to take my one-year-old and walk through five different countries to get to the U.S. for a better opportunity, it's beyond that. It's necessity. It's it, we're not. I, I am at risk of dying 
if I don't leave. This is the thing too about asylum is that these words that we use are, it's like, who's deciding what is necessity? What is opportunity? And of course, there's a bunch of like legalities that go into it. And this is why Tina wants to literally become a lawyer, you know, because there is so much of that going on. But at the end of the day, it's humans deciding if the experience of other humans is worthy to have an opportunity or not. And it's, it's that subjectivity that like, I think we lose when we are talking about these stories, because it's such a human thing to be able to sit there and decide as a person to another person, like, what is a valuable reason to gain asylum is like crazy. And I think the other thing that is even a second layer for that one is we don't know all of the things that are happening, but also we, as a country, the United States has like chosen to not take the responsibility for contributing to many of these, of these scenarios, many of these conflicts that are happening all over the world. So it, not only are we saying, well, mm, I don't think that's an actual valid reason to leave your country, but also I'm not looking in the mirror to see how I'm contributing to what's happening in your country. Um, and that I think it's the other really heavy thing to deal with is that the U.S. has had a lot of involvement in and played a part in a lot of the displacements. And I actually, and this is where social media really comes into play because I saw like, what, two days ago, Representative Omar questioning somebody about sending troops to Venezuela to help enforce this like, quote unquote, democratic government. And it really, it like made me cringe because she literally was asking this guy, um, get the guy's name, Omar, maybe. She, she was asking him like, do you realize that we did this before? We have done this before in Guatemala, in El Salvador, in Nicaragua. And all that we did was help human right violations occur. <laughs> like, so do we want to do that again? Like, can you safely or can you willingly and, and full-heartedly say this is the best route and we will hold people accountable if any human rights violations arise out of our involvement? And he was so quick to like not attribute, he, you know, he said, well, this mission worked or these peacekeeping, right? Like that's what we call them, like peacekeeping missions or um, U.S. help. And we go and like train their militaries. But it's like, how are we even in doing that, just hurting and causing more refugees as opposed to just focusing on like better policies to really help them? I think when, it, especially when it comes to the U.S. We have a short and selective memory when it comes to these things <laughs> like we don't it's like people don't remember the U.S.'s hand in a, in a lot of the ways we've acted throughout history that have led to major major humanitarian crises it's insane so I think Rachel my hopes for this episode and I was being so naive and and every time that we kept pushing the recording of this episode back I was like I just need more information I just I don't feel like I can really speak yeah, on it time, and then time to repair <laughs> and then here we are like two three weeks later and I still feel the same way and I and as you and I are talking right now I still feel like there is just so much that I don't know and would like to but I also know that crisis 
and things that call you to action don't wait for you to learn more about them so you can fix them. Like they're happening and they're happening. And I think that by you and I just being very honest with our audience and having this, you know, this conversation that is just us asking more questions, although not fulfilling to the type A person that I am that wants to check off boxes is necessary. Like, I think it is necessary to truly show that this is how, you know, activists are seen as people who like subscribe to one issue and then do something great for that issue. But we have talked many times in so many of our episodes at this point about the intersectionality of all of our issues and how almost to be like a true activist, you just have to want to learn. And I think that that's reshaping my definition of an activist. Um, And so uh, although some of our listeners might feel like wow, these two girls just literally brought 10 more questions into my mind. And now I have more questions of my own. Um, And that isn't, I I think that in itself, I can find solace in knowing that we've sparked the conversation and more questions around the conversation um, and some reflections on that. Like, I think that just committing to continuing to learn whether you are no matter where you are on the on the learning journey, right? And like you and I had talked about the usage of the word expert before and like seeing Tina as our like, you know, uh, um, on like the Daily Show, they used to, when Jon Stewart used to have like a correspondent for each topic, right? And that was like the expert that we talk about on that topic. And that's kind of how I see our guests. And slowly and surely I'm realizing that we're all still learning and that to be a true activist, all that you have to do is to want to continue learning because none of us are going to become full experts on this. It's just maybe some of us will be more passionate and dedicate more time and resources, but there's no way that you're, you can be an expert um, even if your whole life is devoted to it because the issues are so much bigger than us uh, and require collective thought and collective thinking and collective learning. Yeah. You, you just said so many things, like so many things are, I'm responding in my mind to so many things that you just went over. It's, I think like this episode is challenging for us to even do, like, like you said, we have pushing the date back, pushing the date back to record it because it's, for me, it's challenging because it's a little bit scary. Even when you say these examples, like out loud of like the certain places that are experiencing um displacement that refugees are coming from and the reasons like it's it's almost like uncomfortable in my mouth because I'm I don't want to be seen as a quote-unquote expert on the topic or like try to be portraying myself as something I'm not and I love that you always say that we are always a student and never a master of all of these topics because that is that is what is important about being an activist and and spreading your care and passion into all of these different issues is learning about it. And I don't want, not only in this situation where we're creating podcasts for like people to hear, but in my everyday conversations, I don't want my fear of being seen as uh, someone who doesn't know about the topic fully trying to speak on it. I don't want that to hold me back from having these conversations. And I think the only way to get more comfortable with that is doing it and talking, talking about what you have read. And if someone challenges you, that's like, that's what it's all about. We don't want to like keep hold ourselves back from, 
from doing that. So even though I've found this experience kind of challenging, I think that it has been super, super valuable for me in moving forward. I'm really excited to do more episodes this way and talk about the resources that we use to kind of build our confidence in learning about these topics. Agreed. And I think that with that, um, I would like to one again, highlight that this is happening right now. It's happening right now. Although it's happening in Venezuela right now, it's happening in the U.S. right now. Um, and I did want to just again highlight the U.S. as a place that has sold itself on being welcoming for those who who want a better life um, and who are now considering building a wall to keep people out. So I just I need to reiterate that. Um, but I think my two calls to action to our listeners based on this episode and the learning that you and I are doing and will continue to do, because I think after this episode, it doesn't stop here, right? And I think that that's the other thing. We live in a time where everything's like 15 seconds and clickbait. And so we all talk about, um, what was it? Two days ago, it was about the Grammys. Yesterday, it was about Kaepernick settling. Tomorrow, it'll be about something different. And then we don't revisit these issues, right? And we, again, see them all as separate. But we need to continue revisiting them. And I know that, Rachel, you and I will continue um, to do this. And I think that I want to call our listeners to do two things. One, to stay humble in your learning, because this (laughs) process of trying to learn more about different refugee crises around the world has humbled me completely. Um, knowing that there's millions and millions and millions of people out there in so many different countries that I don't even know the issues of the countries or like, yeah, can't wrap my head around them has like humbled me. And I think that it takes a lot, right? Like it takes a lot to be able to say like, you know what? I don't know it all. And I'll just like tackle it one at a time. But I think the second thing is to commit to the learning. So to not let that process that humbled you also shut you down and say like, this is too big for me. I'm not going to tackle this one. Um, Ask the questions, ask them and commit to, to continuing to ask them, continuing to learn and also to finding the humanity in all of the issues that we're talking about. Because I think that that is one of the biggest things that I found going through the refugee crisis in particular is that I am so privileged to have, that I am an immigrant, yet I can, before I used to say, like, I don't have a home. Like, Colombia is my home. The U.S. is my home. I don't really know where I belong. And now after doing all of this research, when I look back, I say, I am so privileged to be able to say that my identity comes from two homes in two places that I relate to. And then I think about all of the children who are being born in refugee camps throughout the world that have lost all of the things that make up your identity and your culture and your religion and who you are. So whether it be that they've lost their um family or their customs or that they're not allowed out of these camps or that they're in a place where they don't feel safe. Um, All of these things are like tying to their identity and all of these people are growing up without a place to call home. Like literally the refugee camps are their home and this word displaced, like that is the, the identity of a displaced person. And I feel like that in itself needs like a podcast on its own to do an episode on everybody's identity and how this is affecting us. But I think we need to commit to see the humanity in each other, even when everything that makes us up, it makes us up is stripped from us. 
Yeah, totally. And a lot of uh, this is making me think of so many of the quotes I heard from the different things I watched and listened to in preparation for this episode. And I just, I, I will share this, these numbers, because you're talking about how the US is, is trying to build this wall right now. And in one of the documentaries that I watched, it clearly wrote out like when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, 11 countries around the world had border walls and fences, 11 countries. And in, by 2016, 70 countries had, had put these up. So this is why the crisis is rising because things are, are changing so much. But and, and also with your point about the, about the different, how children are losing their, their, their sense of having a place of belonging, a sense of home and even being aware that places are not only that you can't go back to where you're from, but you're not being allowed into another place is just, it's really heartbreaking. So I would also, if you are interested in this topic and, and you take our recommendations of things for what, that we're going to share to watch and listen to, like I would, I just want to call it that it is, it can be tough if, especially because we were kind of consuming all this content within the course of a few weeks that as we always say on our podcast, like create your space for your self care. And if you have any experience with, with this, like be really mindful that a lot of it can be really, really upsetting. And so I think that what we'll do is we'll help listeners by providing some of our resources and maybe we can just roll them out through our social media um, after this episode launches. I think that'll be really great. Um, But a couple of highlights I will say are Netflix had some really good documentaries um, World Vision, Girl Rising, um, two organizations that like came across my radar and I was like, these are great. Like the Girl Rising films are great. Um, and then Worson Shire, who some people might know as the poet who wrote all of the poems that Beyonce recited in her Lemonade, right? Like tying it back to like our daily lives and how we can connect things. As I started doing all this research, I, I realized that she was also the poet who narrated and helped write the scripts for the Girl Rising movies that highlight, you know, a, a girl who's a refugee, but she's got so many poems and just written work on the life of a refugee, um, which I would definitely recommend as well. Any that stood out to you, Rachel? Yeah, I think one that the one that I just quoted from, it's a documentary called Human Flow. And that is the one where they kind of just, it's a lot more visual of touching on the experiences in those 23 different countries I mentioned at the top of the episode. And I watched that on Amazon Prime. But Lena and I have also been listening to Displaced, which is a podcast um, by the IRC and I think another organization run that together, but the hosts work for the International Rescue Committee. Um, those are the things that I wanted to share for sure. And of course, if you want to share any of the resources that you found really helpful on this topic, you can share those with us on our social media um, or also email us at theactivisthustle at gmail.com. Anything else before we sign off for today? I would love to see people engage with us on this topic. Just, you know, on social media. I, would... I mean, we still have questions. I, like Lena said, this isn't the end. This end of the episode is not the end for 
us thinking and talking and researching about this. So exactly, what questions did this spark for our listeners is what I'm wondering. Yeah. And what in our, at this point, two attempts at doing a dive into this topic, what have we missed? What is it that somebody who's listening to is like, man, the host of this episode are still not talking about this. And I would really, yeah, I would like to hear that, what that is. Oh, and we also wanted to, of course, shout out some episodes from The Daily with Michael Barbaro. Um, There was one from February 11th, that episode was about how choices the U.S. made way back when for Venezuela are affecting the decisions being made about whether people are getting food and humanitarian aid today. So that one's really good. And, and dispatches at the border, they're doing, they've done a couple episodes and will continue to do that. And that is at the U.S.-Mexico border. So if you don't listen to The Daily every day, I would look at, look those up. <laughs> and so until next time, everyone, make sure to listen to those episodes. And thank you, Rachel, for engaging in this learning journey with me. Thank you. Bye. And we're going to take a moment to thank everybody who made this podcast possible, starting with you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. I'd also like to thank the Activist Hustle team, starting with Rachel Sullivan, your producer and director, Aaron Taylor, our producer and editor, Brandon Rush, our creator, Amina Chandani for your creative logos and constant creative input, and a final shout out to Blueprint Leadership. If this episode has at all inspired you to take action, remember, we have support for you. Blueprint is a leadership program made by young activists for young activists. Check out blueprintldc.com services and see how we can support you on your activist hustle.